Patrick Fendaro here with Franchise Finding Season 2. Together with my brother Jack, we're going to be going through some of the largest franchises as well as up-and-coming franchises to see if they're a good investment. We look at the franchise costs, the revenue, historical profits, failure rate, and other really important metrics to consider before investing in a franchise. So if you're looking to buy a franchise or think about a startup or an existing business, listen to our podcast as with little time, you'll be able to evaluate a franchise is the right entrepreneurial path for you. Patrick Fendaro here, co-founder at Vetted Biz. Very excited to have on Kristen Shalmetsi. Uh, she's a, a franchisee of Molly Made in Illinois, as well as she's a franchise consultant and podcast host at Pillars of Franchising, uh, a, a podcast channel that I was recently on. It was great to, to be a guest on, on their channel, Pillars of Franchising. And today we're going to talk about what it's like to be a franchisee, how after having an established system, things change, and then go through the types of services that Kristen and her colleagues offer at Pillars of Franchising beyond just franchise brokerage, but having a continued relationship with their franchisees that they work with. So Kristen, really appreciate you joining today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on. I was so excited. You know, we got to meet a couple of weeks ago down in Florida and it was like, oh, there's a rock star. <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. Well, and you know, it's great to um, meet somebody who's like-minded, like we are um, not only from a franchisee perspective, I didn't go down there in that role. I went down there um, as more of a consultant uh, role and to meet people who aren't trying to get you to sell a brand, people who are just there to, to present the good, the bad, the ugly, um, kind of an agnostic view of all things franchising. So um, as I said to you before off air, but now on air, thank you to you and your brother and your team for all the work that you do, because the one thing we know is that anybody who is out there looking to invest their life savings, the one thing they need is honest, clear, direct information about what it is that they're looking to buy. So thank you. And yeah, I no, and as we discussed before, I think times are changing where even, you know, 30 years back when you're going to buy a home, you would just get information about that home from the agent who's receiving yeah. a commission if you move forward. Where franchising still a lot of people are just getting information from the franchise broker and or the franchise development person at that brand without any real benchmarking or unbiased uh, information. So I think right. Vetted Biz definitely can help bridge that gap and better educate prospective franchisees as well as franchise brokers that, that sure. are working with those candidates. Yeah, um, awesome. And yeah, I think a big part is getting to know, really making sure that you know what you're getting into and we can help with the data side, but Kristen, you're going to be the one that helps navigate the, 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 the franchise candidate together with talking to franchisees to really understand what the day in the life of a franchisee is. And I'm yeah. curious to hear from you because you currently own a Molly made franchise in Illinois. I'm yep. curious to hear how is it, what's it like right now operating that franchise now that you've had it for a few years? Well, so we've had, um, I've had the franchise now for 15 years. As you can see, this is my motto here in the back, now hiring. So, um, and in this kind of a business, really, you're always hiring, but more so now in the last year and a half. Um, 
we've been really fortunate, right, for, for my particular um, business to have the same people working for us for seven, eight, nine, ten years. Wow. However, as other smaller businesses, smaller competitors in the market close down, the need for us to hire more is always a challenge. So, um, you know, starting 15 years ago is very different than starting today. Um, we have now been um, taken under uh, the Neighborly brand, which is a huge. Oh, yeah. They have, I think, 17 different franchises, mostly in the home yeah. service space, right? Yeah, actually. And that's a really interesting change of events for us, right? On our show, we talk a lot about what kind of a brand do you want to buy? Do you want to buy a brand that is more corporate or more family run, right? And sure. so when we bought Molly Made, it was more family run in that it was part of service brands, that we had two, three brands, you knew intimately the leadership team. Now that we've become part of this big conglomerate, we're a little more corporate, which sure. means more And there's a lot more franchisees, right? I mean, how many were there when you started 15 years back and how many now, oh. more or less? <laughs> Yeah, so we were around a hundred or so when I started. Okay. And we're around 250 or so now. You know, the interesting thing with franchising at this kind of stage in the game is that there are a lot of folks that when you go through any kind of, in this case, the pandemic, right? And at this particular point, you have a lot of people that are aging out naturally. And then you have a lot of people who um, not only are that are they at the point where they are ready to kind of make that decision? But the pandemic has just made them say, that's it. I, I may have hung on another five or 10 years, but with the pandemic and all the stress and all the changes that that brought about, I'm out. And so the numbers, when somebody says, well, how many, you know, it used to be when I, when I joined the group in Chicago, we had 15 in our co-op and now we're down to 11 hmm. or 12. And, and so what's happening is we're buying each other up, right? So I okay. started with one and now I have four. And so there are many like me and I'm the second youngest and I'm 50. <laughs> so this is a market like many out there where we're all just kind of starting to, I hate to use the term, but age out. And, and you're finding that in a lot of franchise systems right now. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Franchise Brokers Association, also known as FBA. They provide custom guidance for franchise buyers in the US. FBA has over 100 certified franchise specialists as part of their network, currently working with 350 plus franchise brands. Click the link in the description section to learn how they can help you find the right franchise. FBA has over 15 years of experience. They've placed 2000 plus franchisees across the United States. They take a very personalized approach to selecting and analyzing the best franchise for you. Their approach is also backed by the data that we have at Vetted Biz. So if you're interested in buying or at least exploring a franchise, start your franchise search today with FBA. And again, you can click on the link in the description section for more info. How, but, um, how many current employees do you have? I have 25. Okay. Um, and so, you know, um, I could use another 10 right now. Um, we work in teams of two. So that's kind of gives you an idea of, of you know, how many teams is that put out there. And obviously you have an office staff. Um, I think when you buy a franchise, we always talk about the biggest issue being 
have a vision and begin with the cliche of begin with the end in mind. And part of that is all about, do you want to work on your business or in your business, right? So I got here because um, I had a great job working for a big box retailer, loved it, loved it, loved it. I'm still an addict. I still love to walk into Home Depot and wander the aisles and I know where everything is and I show people where to go to get stuff. It's really ridiculous. Um, but I started having kids. And so nights and weekends, I wanted that work-life balance. I wanted to be home for the holidays. Yeah, and travel so, is big when you're at a corporation. I mean, oh, so you're going up the ranks and yes, you're making more money, but generally more travel and you have to incorporate that into the time. Yeah, and I moved a lot, right? I was in Atlanta, I was in Tampa, I was in Chicago, I was in San Diego, San Francisco. So wow. all those different places. And so when I got Molly made, it really was great because- the first year, people ask me all the time, well, uh, what kind of franchise can I buy where I don't really have to be there and I don't really have to put in a lot of hours, but I make a lot of money. I'm like, doesn't what? everyone want that? You yeah, just like, like invest like 100K and you get 100K a year, not doing yeah. anything? Yeah. I'm like, if I knew that Find answer, me I mean, I'd be off on a beach somewhere right now. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> the reality is if it was that easy, the franchisor would just keep doing that and they wouldn't have franchisees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the first couple years of anything I believe that you buy is going to be a lot of work. I mean, you have to put in something, right? And you set the core values. The I mean, you have a team of 25 people. You, you yeah. set kind of how that is. And yes, the franchisor gives you the playbook, but they know you as the owner. Yeah, there's a culture, right? Yes. And and every single business that I've purchased, the culture is completely different in those businesses. Interesting. And so when I've brought those employees over, they usually don't stay. Okay. So yeah, They're it's not, probably a benefit of a new franchise versus an existing franchise yeah. in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because those folks a lot of times come with bad habits they deliver to a different standard i have very high standards i mean my girls will tell you very high standards but they have high standards and they have high standards for each other now so and i'm okay with that right there i i was once told you know kristen you have very high standards but you're fair right and as long as that's the case as long as they know that you're fair with everybody yeah, then it's okay, you don't, you don't right? have pick favorites. <laughs> exactly. I'm hard on myself too. So, yes. um, and the, and so that's great. But I think that the, the key for people, if your goal is to not have to spend a lot of time in your business, your first plan of attack needs to be to find the person who you want to be able to do your job. And so, when do you think that's realistic for a service-based franchise? After 18 months, what, when can you start thinking about that? general manager that you can start offloading a lot of your work to? Well, I really, to be honest, depending on your financial situation, depending on the type of business. I mean, when we opened, I hired a girl who I thought could handle half okay. of what I needed someone to take off my plate. Because what people don't think about is even when you j just get started, there are so many balls in the air, right? And so it's, it's crazy. And even though your franchisor is giving you a lot of support, the support that they're giving you isn't extra hours in the day, right? And so we open and the phone starts ringing and people, 
they want you in their house doing consultations and the girls still need to get paid and oh somebody's car broke down even though it's brand new and guess what then somebody had a fender bender and somebody fell down the stairs and somebody broke a light and so and all that and guess what you still have to make deposits and oh yeah payroll is still due and oh did the chart of accounts get set up right we're not really sure and marketing needs to be planned like all of these things happen and it's a constant like i said thank goodness i think i have a little bit of adhd because it's the only thing that allows me to keep bouncing back and forth right and so my goal is to find somebody who could complement all the things that I don't do well and relieve some of that pressure so we could split that. And does it financially impact you initially? Yes. But what it allowed me to do was to have somebody out there meeting with clients or I would go out and meet with clients and continue to build the book of business while the other person was able to stay in the office and stay operations. Yeah, sure because the jobs you need got it. done. Exactly. You have well, to have maybe, that. Maybe you would have been more profitable without a doubt, but you couldn't scale up to four locations with 25 employees without taking that bet and, and hiring uh, a well-paid manager. For sure. And you know, the funny thing, funny, not haha, but so we opened in 2007 and we were doing great. It, it, things were rocking and rolling. And then 2009 hit. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that line oh. item, I've just gone up from having our housekeepers from twice a month to now weekly. And if, if I'm getting hit hard, I'm definitely going to have that go back to twice a month instead of weekly. Yeah. Well, and we had people who said, you know what, I love your service, but in, in 2008, 2009, I have to decide between having housekeeping and keeping my house. Yeah. Right. Wow. And so we got set back quite a ways. And so the first five years were really hard. They were really hard because we had to, you know, first of all, when you thank goodness for great stock that I had to start the business, right? Mm -hmm. But then you have to jump into other coffers for money to keep that business going through the hard times and carry you through until you become profitable Again. after that. Yeah. Yeah. Because so for a 15 year cycle, I mean, you've been through some pretty major downturns Yeah. for other franchisees or prospective franchisees. Like how much, how much money should you have on the sidelines? Is it like three months, six months, nine months of, of expenses <laughs> that you might have to inject in? Well, we didn't have, I can tell you, we, we, we made it, but we begged, borrowed, and stole from ourselves multiple yeah. times, right? And so we're finally now to the point where we can breathe. But it's it. My husband, you know, our ori original dream was that he would quit his job, and luckily figured out after the first six months we could never work together. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> and yeah. and that was the safety net, right? So that was like, oh, and you still have happens. some money coming in from that business. Yeah. Yeah. So that helped. And um, I, we usually tell people, and this is without a pandemic, it's without a market crash, right? Two and a half times, whatever they tell you, you probably need to have that stuck aside because you don't know. And it's about every 10 years that some kind of so if like in the item seven for the franchise disclosure document, it says like additional working capital of, of 10K or 20K, oh. you got to have two and a half times, three times that. Yeah, yeah. I would well always, said. I mean, just in, in, 
you know, again, we talk on our show, um, David, especially who ran seven Buffalo Wild Wings, um, you know, in his case, he's had to do some really creative financing in his past, right? And that's the thing people have to think about is if you really believe in going into business for yourself and you really want to pursue a model, think about outside of your bank account, outside of what you have, who are your go-to people? You can get business partners. I go to my parents all the time, my dad, right? Nice. Um, there are ways that you can use your 401ks that can be to really a good tax advantage to doing that. Um, I will tell you the one place that I've seen a lot of people fall short and I've seen a lot of businesses not understand this last pandemic is using PPP money. Um, some people just blew it and didn't use it what it's for what it's for. Some yeah, people and then know. that's not a grant anymore. They have to pay that loan back. Yeah, and some people got it and said, I don't really understand it. So they sent it back. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you, I mean, we made sure our girls. And that's like, what was it? Two and a half months of payroll, something like that. Yes, and there yes. was two. So that's like basically five months of, of payroll that if yeah. you had a good advisor helping you and, and give, getting the right information, it was a lot of money that you could, you could have. Yeah. And that's where I will, I will also give Molly made credit though. We have evolved from what we are to what we, what we were to what we are. Our franchise business coaches called, did you all get your loans? Have you applied? Right. Did you use these services? Make sure that we were using the right banks. And then when we got them, made sure that they said, Hey, listen, so here's how you should be using it so that you get the loans forgiven. And so we didn't go out and buy cars. We didn't go out and the things we did was make sure that in my business anyway, that my employees had full paychecks, even if they only got 20 hours of work a week and we didn't lose anybody through the pandemic. Wow. You know, so the great, what, what are they calling this? The great, the great um, res- where they everyone's quitting their jobs. So oh, the great resignation. Exactly. The great <laughs> yeah. resignation. So you yeah. haven't really had that. We haven't, no. And you think it's because of the culture and core values at your firm or why? I do think it's the culture. I think it's the core values. I think it's doing the right thing. Um, and I think it's, you know, in this case, I was very transparent. You know, we were also given tax credits for if they needed to stay home because of COVID or their kids sure. being sick. I mean, we were very honest. Listen, we have this available to us from this time to this time. You need to you know, give me the paperwork. Let me know that look, I need to know that that's what you need it for. And but probably really understanding them. like what motivates them and, and speaking to a, a, a friend who has a family business that has a lot of factory workers. Why are they not showing up? It's because right. gas. Gas yeah. is getting pricey. So get them a gas card and get take right. that care of or childcare issues. Okay. Absolutely. Find out some childcare options for your employees. It's yeah. not a traditional thing you think about when going into business, but if you have 25 employees and they have those needs, you have to take care of it or they're going to quit or not show up for the job. Right? Absolutely. I mean, in, in the reality is, you know, we give them at the holidays, right? Most of them have kids. So for the holidays, I give them gift cards to Walmart. Why? Because if they need groceries or they need toys for the kids, it's something that goes a long way for their bonuses for doing a great job. I give them cash. Now, every now and then I give them manicures. Why? 
because otherwise they won't take care of themselves. Huh. You know what I mean? Or they'll get a cool. massage because I want them to spend the time on themselves. Right. And so, but those are just silly things. But when you talk about, you know, we did a show the other day about um, it's not just about money for people anymore. Right. It's about something more. And we call yes. it what's your purpose, end, right? passion. Yeah. Like what else drives you? You have so many choices of where you could work right now. What makes the difference to you? And so in all my girls speak Spanish, I oh, have the great. worst Spanish in the world, huh. but they laugh and they teach me words. And, you know, so I make all my kids take Spanish so they can come in and help me. <laughs> and we recognize their culture, their holidays. Right. And so it's just about understanding who your people are. And, and, you know, really that's, the reason we started Pillars of Franchising is, well, not the core reason that it first started because that started from a sad story, but then a bunch of us got together and we all have similar stories and we all wanna help people make good choices when they decide to go into franchising. We wanna make sure that we help people be successful when they are in franchising and create a support system. Like the common goal, really, once you're in franchising, it's kind of like this, it's like a bug, right? Like once you have one, then you want to have more. Like every time I learn about a new franchise model, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would really like to do that one. Oh, that one sounds like fun. <laughs> it's kind of addicting. And, and it's, um, there's a sense of pride that you get from not only having your own business, but having a brand that has a great reputation, um, that is successful and that has a long tenure. You know, Molly made the great thing. And another reason I chose them is that we have the Miss Molly Foundation, right? And they give back to victims of domestic violence. That's great. Yeah. And so that is something that was really important to me. So we could be a part of the fabric of the of the community we serve. So when you're looking for a franchise, those are things that are important to some people. And from what I understand, you were doing, you and your, your colleagues, or I could say maybe friends at Pillars of Franchising yeah. got together. You started a podcast three years back and then franchise consulting kind of just fell in your lap. No. Yeah. So I, it's so funny because I, before this came about, we were actually talking about um, Jerry and David went into the joint chiropractic and I'm like, oh, that sounds like so much fun. I should join you. And David's like, hey, we need to talk to me about it. We should really talk about it. And then um, we had a couple of people call and say, hey, can you help us buy a franchise? And we were like, oh, I mean, I guess we, we can don't do, do that. that. Why we not? Could. Yeah. yeah, we we haven't, but sure, why not? And so yeah. We were guiding one guy and I helped another uh, lady buy one. And I said, you know, the weird thing is I don't really know how to, I mean, I know how I did it. I know yeah. how my consultant helped me, but there's so many tools that could make this easier. And so, yes, I, we talked to a couple of different companies and we wound up going and getting some additional training and tools to help us. And so now, yeah, we can help people. The craziest, scariest thing to me is that you don't have to be trained or certified to sell franchises. Yeah, it is pretty wild. I think there's just one state, <laughs> Washington state, that you you have to be certified to sell a franchise yeah. in Washington state. But besides in that, I mean- Washington and New York require you to pay money. Oh, so it's not even a certification. Certified. It's just a no, register. Mm -mm. No, you just have wow. to send in this piece of paper with <laughs> a check. 
and they send you your registration. You have to be registered in those two states. And for me, when I found that out, I about fell out of my chair. Yeah, and I mean, I you said, can okay. really take advantage of people as their the information flow has hasn't been there, and it, it's it's uh, bought on emotions generally. Yeah, and you know, for me, I mean, I know how hard I worked. I've worked since I was twelve, and for me to take my life savings and invest it in a business, and to think that I could have done that with somebody who had no skills no care. They could have had absolutely no morals and just exactly. sold me something. I thought, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I didn't even know these people could have sold me something like that. You know, I just didn't want us as a, as a team to be, obviously we weren't those people and we have been in the business and we know a lot more than, you know, people have never been in franchising before. Um, and we're probably more careful because we've all owned franchises. So we know there are a lot of brokers or consultants out there that have never been on the franchisee side. Um, so I feel like we have an advantage in that sense, but I wanted to make sure that we, that we actually went out there and learned as much as we could and got a quality edu education, quality outside tools. of the brands that you already owned and operated. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And sense. really understand what the, what the inventory looks like and where can you go to get money and what are the pros and cons of the type of money that you yes. get, right? SBA loan, 401k rollover, yeah. friends and family. Absolutely. There's all pros and cons. There is. It's a very complicated yet very exciting. I, you're the first person too to bring up, like there's a lot of talk about the start and it's probably kind of where your mindset is, but you're the first person to mention ongoing financial needs of a franchisee. Yes. I've only yeah. spoken about the start, you know, roll over your, your retirement funds, get an SBA loan, but what about the ongoing needs to meet payroll and, and kind of weather through recessions? Wow. I'll tell you. And you know, the crazy thing is because when we started and not really not unlike, so I'm, I'm working with a gal right now who has her own business and she wants to become a franchisor. And so we've met with um, one of the franchisor lawyers and we've got a plan for her. Sure. And she's really done a lot of great things. The challenge is that to become a franchisor, you have to have very strong financials. Well, this poor gal, just like somebody who would be a franchisee, started right before the pandemic. It's tough. So, and probably not, out. it was an industry that maybe was pretty impacted. Well, it's the same industry as mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have this kind of <laughs> uh, sales trend. For your in industry, I imagine like for a while, people didn't want anyone in their house. But exactly. then, I mean, I want people in my house more often because my wife's working from home. I'm spending more time at the house. Exactly. And so then for businesses like mine, um, while you want, you know, you're happy to, for them to go in the house, you have to buy all the extra PPE. Right. So then sure. costs go up. And then now I'm oh, sure it well. depends a lot on like state, like South Florida. We've been kind of yeah. out of this pandemic for the last 15 months. But exactly. Yeah. You, you have to Boston like 30 days. Chicago area and it's a different reality. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So my point is, um, so someone like her, she continuously after having her business for almost two years now, she continuously needs cash in infusion for Infusions, different reasons. Yeah. I need cash infusions for different reasons at different times if I'm looking to acquire a new 
business. Yeah. Acquisition growing inorganically through acquisition. Yeah. And then there's times, times, you know, like for example, and this is, um, you can do it multiple different ways. Right. But if I want to make purchases of new cars, right. And so you always have renewals of the fleet right now. I have 15 cars sitting out in the lot. Now, currently we're running 10. Okay. So as I'm looking at this, right, and I was running 15, but then these cars have gone up like 30% over the last year. Yes. So. so I'm in the process of dumping the used and you know what I mean? So it's, it's always, there's always something where there's a need for cash. Okay. And a lot of businesses don't sit a, a ton of cash all the time. Yeah. The owners just, want to distribute the profits and exactly spend on kids' education or medical needs, <laughs> whatever, right? Yeah. Housing. Well, you have kids going to college and there's, there's just a lot of different things that, that come up. And, you know, I think that, you know, for us, you know, again, we didn't sit on a a lot of extra PPP money. My girls got new uniforms. Like we used it for stuff that was needed that fit within the guidelines of it to be legitimate expenses. Um, So we're not always sitting on a lot of cash. And, And sometimes it's, you know, your franchisor says, not in my case, I don't have huge remodels, but um, for Jerry with Freight Clips, right? So they're coming up on remodel years. That's a big It's a capital expense. Yeah. I imagine 40K to 80K plus, right? And who, you know, if you've got in his case, 36 stores, wow. who's got that sitting around, right? Yeah. Now me, I just have to redo logos on 15 cars, right? Some of my other Molly Maid owners out there have 40 cars. That's a lot of logos, right? So those kinds of things you're always going to need cash for. So I imagine Um, like being part of the larger neighborly brand, they've been able to help you a lot. Um, And you have your own resources for the different ongoing financing needs. And you've been doing this for 15 years. So, you know, you're at the top 1% of of people in the franchisees in terms of financing, I'm sure. But for someone that maybe is part of an emerging brand, um, and I, I understand this led to you having ongoing relationship with your franchise consultant clients because they don't have necessarily the same support, right? As right. a neighborly where right. the business might be great. It might just be in a new industry and there's only 10 locations, 20 locations, but they're not yeah. going to have that network like you have. Right. Yeah. And what we try to do, um, so we're currently putting together, um, an ongoing mentoring program. What we recognize is that a lot of franchisors provide really great training, pre-opening, post-opening for about a year. And then you get your annual conventions. Some might do quarterly meetings, webinars or whatnot, but then it kind of dries up. And so when you're looking to expand, when you're looking to do other things, sometimes you need a little extra support. And so, um, we're doing uh, lunch and learns starting this, uh, January. We have lunch and learns. We have networking uh, meetings. Uh, I think it's at five o'clock is what we're starting. We'll have to check our pillars of franchising website. You'll see all the details of that. Um, and we've got a digital magazine where some of our financial partners are writing articles and things. And how do you secure capital when you need it? And, you know, we have a whole that's why network. businesses go out of business they, they run, run out, out of, of cash yeah yeah and you've got whether it's a big technology out. startup or a small mom and pop or franchisee people run yeah. out of cash and they close down the business right and it's really sad when you have a franchisor that runs out of money right yeah and that's why at vetted biz we 
for paid members, which currently is $39 a month, you have snapshots of every income statement of the franchise or going back three years. So, yeah. and balance sheet. So, yeah. you know, if they've been in the red multiple years, that might be okay if they're part of a lar much larger um, conglomerate, but if it's a founder owned and operated franchisor and they've been losing 200K a year, what's That's their plan? Why, why are you going to jump into that ship? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. I, I always say, you know, when you've got a franchisor that's out of money and out of ideas. Yeah. That's and there's some when... basically franchise scams like Burger Eam. I don't know if you heard about that burger no. franchise, they opened up hundreds of locations or they sold 500 or so franchise franchisees uh -huh. opened up over a hundred locations. And the, the, the founder allegedly had his like Porsche Cayenne on the balance sheet. And I it was you just, did a show on that, or did you not? You mentioned that Porsche. Yeah, Canada definitely. I'm sure your... I mentioned it at some yes. point, but it was just blowing through cash and and fled the country. Unreal. So he was an Israeli national and and left the country. Um. Wow. So really sad. They were really strong on social media. Um. This is going back till I think 2017 to 2019. I would see so many ads on Facebook opening up a, a hamburger franchise, extremely low cost, high profit. And sure enough, you know, it was a scam. But if you started looking at, if you looked at the balance sheet once or the income statement, there's this huge red flag. So maybe a prospective franchisee's not able to do that, but yeah, franchise consultants should be, you know, at least Absolutely. able to spot red flags and then the franchise attorney can go really into the details. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's a really good point. I want to, I want to mention that you just brought up. So we as novices um, and, and I love my consultant that we have, and I would recommend her any day, but we were ill-advised when it came to finding a franchise attorney. Okay. So when, when we bought our franchise, we just went to a run of the mill business yeah attorney right and so okay. i remember taking the fdd to them and saying okay could you just review this for us because we just want to make sure we're not getting in any trouble we don't really know what to ask and he handed it back he goes well you know it, here it'll be like 175 200 i don't really think there's really too much that you can change your ask on this so it looks good to me and i was like okay well i guess that's what i'm supposed to do right yeah. not realizing really all of those things and why having a franchise-specific attorney? Stuff you can negotiate, so, like minimum, yes. like the minimum royalty when you first open up can be like two thousand dollars a month, even if you're not yeah. getting any money or haven't broke even. So mm -hmm. I know some oh, brands yeah. are pretty proactive. Like Firehouse Subs has reduced royalties for the first two years. Yeah, um, and other brands have similar kind of uh, covenants to have their franchisees scale up. But other yeah. ones we reviewed the minimum royalty is super high. And, and I've mm -hmm. seen investors negotiate that successfully with a franchise attorney or territory. Oh, um, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, there's some things that are set in stone, pro probably the franchise fee you're not moving, ongoing nope. royalties. Um, but some things for starting or protecting the territory, I've seen franchisors be, be okay with. Yeah, I'll tell you, we were working with a guy who was looking to buy um, one of my competitive brands on the West Coast. And so when we were reviewing the FDD, 
I was like, oh, this is really interesting. You know, we were looking at how they define qualified households across these two competitive brands. And one of which I had looked at when I was buying my Molly Maid, because we looked at three different brands. So this is going in the weeds. How, not only the number of households, but how they define these households. Yes. Wow. Okay. Define what is qualified. Right. And so, yeah, we are getting a little off track here, but, but. No, this is important stuff. It is. It's super important because not only did they define them slightly differently when he went to both franchisors because like, so for example, I'll use what they, what they say, right? So um, a, a household that is qualified is a household that has an income, an average income of $85,000 or higher, right? Okay. Now this is in LA. Yeah. Okay. And so I started laughing and I said, well, $85,000 or higher they're saying that those people can afford maid service, but at $85,000 or higher, aren't you still living in an apartment? And he's like, well, yeah, here you are. And I said, okay, so to you, does that make sense? Because for your market, now $85,000 or higher living in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, that's something. But LA, I mean, that's definitely middle-class. Yeah. And yeah, so, you're in an apartment or a very small house. Yeah, so so that was something he had to go in. And right away, they changed it. Okay. And then another one, right away, they changed the territory size. It was really weird. They were playing all kinds of games. And I said, no, I don't know, but this just seems really shifty that they so quickly, so easily would change. And he's like, well, if you're going to do 140,000, I'd really like you to do 175,000. Huh. Oh, well, we could do that. And I'm like, maybe too easy. I mean, something's not right here. Yeah. Right. And then of course they were rewriting the FDD the next month. Um, and he wound up not buying either brand. And I was okay. actually really glad, not because um, I didn't care for those brands, because it's not about me, it's about him. But anytime someone changes an FDD that quickly, there's yeah. just something not right. It's it well, shouldn't be like it that. probably shows a bit of desperation or you know, what were they yeah, trying to prove the first go around? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but you know, is as we as your business evolves, when you start as a franchisee, you can't ever think that there's that you're going to plant a money tree and you're going to work 20 hours a week and you're going to be rolling in profits. That's just not what happens. But you have to believe in your brand. You have to live and breathe in your brand the first few years. And really, well, you maybe never maybe that does happen for like one percent of folks. But Perhaps. don't you can't uh, you can't like be only happy if you hit that one percent. You should no aim for the top 1%, but if you're 50% budget for the 50% with your time and money, right? Exactly. The exactly. average franchisees making, taking home 80K, 100K, but there's a few guys making 250K. Yep. Buy the franchise for the 80K or 100K yes. perspective income. Yeah. And you know, your show does a great job of talking about just how long it really takes to break even. The payback make period. Your investment. Yeah. Yeah. Make I mean, we've seen- back. Some service-based brands from the time you finish the training, it could be two months, yep. but on the long end, going into fitness and food businesses, yeah. all right, breaking even maybe a year and a half from the time you have the capital ready and you start investing uh-huh. it and then you, 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 you open and, and you, you pass break even a year and a half, but to yeah. really stabilize and make proper money, 5k, yeah. 10k a month with that food concept. Yeah. Probably more like three years. Oh yeah. Well, and so, I was listening to uh, 
uh, I forget which one it was. You had some some uh, some food concepts, and it involved having to buy the land and everything. And I was exactly. like, yeah, Sonic. No. I mean, Sonic, if you don't own the land, it's like a fifteen-year payback. Yeah. So a lot of it, these food concepts, you have very sophisticated like financial engineers that are behind them, or real estate developers, and right. they're making most of their money not from the actual business of of selling burgers or whatever, but, yeah. you know, using other people's money, cheap debt, yes. um, selling the land. So this is not, those concepts are generally not for like a first time franchisee yeah. because Nor to make for it people work, like me, even after 15 years in franchising, that is way too complicated. Yeah. I mean, unless <laughs> you me. are, are you like a real estate developer, you're bringing one in and, and you can, you know, you have the perfect way to vet a property to develop that property. Yeah. It's a very narrow skill set. Yeah. And I do think, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about, and I'll just mention it quickly. Um, when you're working with somebody and you're thinking about buying a franchise, I think it's really important to make sure that you use some kind of a profile, not one in particular, because I'm not set to one particular thing, but something that can identify where your strengths and weaknesses are, what type of personality you are. Um, you know, are you somebody that likes to work with a lot of people or one person? Are you a team player or a soloist? Because that really helps direct the type of company you should look to buy. You know, do you like business to customer or business to business? Um, those really help whoever's helping you select the brands, not waste a lot of time. And, and this so, would take what, 30 minutes of your time. I know there's a few yeah. tests out there. Yes. Yeah, yep. that's key. I mean, 30 minutes of your time and to potentially save you, save yourself from like a huge financial burden and huge. lifestyle burden. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And lifestyle is really why most people do this. So for sure. Yeah. The number one reason for franchising I've seen is uh, they want to be their own boss. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, today that's especially true. And there's a lot of franchises, you know, people say, well, I want to be able to work from home. There's a great number of franchises. You can do that. You know, I, I personally am probably not somebody who would want to go into the whole brick and mortar because yeah. I think it's a huge undertaking. You don't want to sign, sign a personal guarantee of 10 years. Yeah, I really don't. You know, the one thing I was shocked to learn down in Florida was that the average, um, I'll call it lifespan, but it's ownership span, right? Of a franchisee is eight and a half years. And they usually go off and buy something else. And I thought, oh, I'm so behind. I'm at some brands years. It's like three or four years. So yeah, not me. I love my brand, I guess, or I'm a creature of habit. I don't know. I mean, and, and I guess I should say, you know, in that I bought three additional territories. So maybe that keeps me refreshed. Sure. Um, and yeah, we've gone growth, through a lot of yeah. Wait, If you're growing, it's why would you give that up to yeah. learn over a system again and, and try to get that divide up responsibilities. So if it, yeah. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. I mean, but we keep getting better technology and that helps run your business. And so, um, and we've got great partners out there in the neighborly brands that that's been a lot of fun getting to know them as well. So, um, you know, I guess my next, my next move would be looking for an emerging brand that would be a lot of fun. So, yeah, no, I'm sure that would be exciting. Kristen, yeah. you have a lot of experience as a, as a multi-unit franchisee with four locations, podcast host, franchise consultant. Are there any other um, pending items that you'd like to get across for, for those listening to this podcast episode or YouTube video? 
Well, I really think it's important, you know, I can't, I can't say enough. Information is absolutely key when you're looking to do something like this. I mean, I always tell everybody, you know, before I would ever recommend anything to anybody, multiple sources of information, you know, if I'm going to help recommend a brand, it's going to be, you know, my team, I don't work alone. I always use vetted biz. I'll always use franchise Thanks. business review because the franchise business review is the franchise. Yeah. They get the survey on the, the franchisee side. That's a great. Yeah. Resource. Yeah. And I think that's really good. Franchise grade, I think is a great one. So there's a multitude, five or six pieces of information and always, always, always use actual franchisees within that brand, call them up and talk to them and don't just call the top ones. Yeah. We'll call, top, we'll call bottom, people that middle. have left the system. Yeah. And find out why yeah. and be prepared. Some of them will be angry, Yes, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's a journey that I would do all over again. I wish I had started it maybe a little bit younger, Wow. Um, but it's, it's great. If you've got that, that fire, the entrepreneurial spirit, it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And growth's addicting, you know, when you're, if it you're is. growing, growing the, employees in your, in your system, in your business, um, growing more locations, growing revenue. Yeah. And pillars of franchising is, is definitely, I mean, right now it's a great way for all of us on our team, our million dollar mentors to help everybody else out there find their dream. And so the, the plug I would make for the pillars of franchising brand is go out to the website, Yes. Yeah. There's we'll a, leave that in the description section. Yeah. It says right there, you know, what, what's your dream? Like, tell us about it and we'll go out there and help you find it, you know? And uh, we look forward to being great partners with you guys. And of course, with the, all the other resources that I mentioned out there. And um, I, I just exactly. think it's, for a prospective franchisee, I'll be the first one to say it. Don't just use vetted biz. See yeah. other providers, like you mentioned, franchisebusinessreview.com. Yeah. A lot of other um, industry specific resources that really dive into the industry. Yep. Like, absolutely. Do, do your research, do your due diligence. Yeah, for sure. Because who wants to be the one person, the one source that is blamed if for some, for some reason it doesn't work out? And, you know, a lot of the people, all the, all the businesses that I bought out, it wasn't the franchisor's fault. The friend, there's nothing wrong with the franchisor. It was just the franchisee wasn't executing or there was some issue. Yeah. 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 So, and ironically, two of them, I suggested they not buy the business when they validated with me and they still did. Wow. <laughs> so the, their call to me was, I know you told me not to buy it in the no beginning. No way. That's I hilarious. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I feel bad for them that they spent a few years on a, on a business that didn't work, but I did too. And I tried to help, but it just didn't work out, you know? So, but I think it's a, I think it's a great choice and I hope you all, you know, join us on our show and we continue to, to trade stories and things because exactly. it's a great industry. It really is. Well, Kristen, it was great to have you on again, Thank for you. those that are listening, I'll leave Kristen show Metsy's um, contact information. Awesome. So you can reach out to her and definitely give their podcast a listen. Thanks awesome. again. Thank Kristen. you so much, Patrick. No, thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. If you found today's learnings helpful for your entrepreneurial endeavors, I encourage you to follow us on our Vetted Biz YouTube channel. Also, our podcast episodes are available on every major podcast network. This includes Spotify, Google, and Apple. 
For Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave us up to a five-star rating and also give comments to see what type of feedback you'd like to see for future episodes. If you prefer, email me at patrick at vettedbiz.com with any questions, feedback, or suggested topics for future podcast episodes. Thanks again for listening today.